This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Well, welcome into episode 122 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson, joined by my co-host Joshua Perry. And my goodness, we were just talking about how the weeks have kind of just come <laughs> together. We've lost track of the days. And I know that you have gotten back on social media, though. So maybe <laughs> maybe that's why. Maybe you're just you're so busy on there now answering fans and biting back at them about hot dogs and yeah, stuff. Like, we, I, I kept it light heading into the week because I was <laughs> I was getting after some of these uh, these new voter laws um yeah. over the weekend and I, I just don't have the energy to to pour into that so we moved it over to a hot dog debate does ketchup belong that? on a hot dog um mecca don mecca don did that's right yes and so if you don't know who he is uh he is a, a rapper can i call him like a rapper a slash rapper attorney <laughs> attorney right yeah, two, former two walk different. On at ohio state yeah right he's he's done a lot of raps for ohio state yep. and he's very into the sports scene so yes that was mecca don who started that yeah and so um basically what it came down to is he said that ketchup belongs on a hot dog and that was the end of the debate no and I told him, if you're seven years old, then ketchup may belong on a hot dog. But <laughs> if you're a grown adult, then you put mustard on the hot dog. Maybe we can get fancy with some onions. We can do some dough relish. Yeah. I'll even go for the sauerkraut. Ketchup yeah. belongs nowhere near a hot dog. I don't understand that whole thing about ketchup being used on so many things and only ketchup being it's used on so many things. It's the laziest condiment ever. It is. It, it really, I don't think it's that tasty. It's all right. Like mustard can kind of change yes. the way something tastes, and especially a hot dog. There's a lot of different types of mustard too. Like I, I tell people, I've actually had this conversation in seriousness and people called me an idiot for taking it so seriously. But I believe, my personal belief is that the two best condiments are soy sauce and mustard. Oh, I love soy sauce. Soy sauce is fantastic. I put soy sauce on things that people wouldn't even think to put it in. Like but what? If, well, if, it, if there's a, a recipe that would call for salt somewhere, and let's <laughs> say it's a savory recipe, maybe a soup, a stew, something sure. that you're cooking with meat, I think the soy sauce gives a little bit more body than just adding salt. Okay. So I think I it's great. It adds versatility. For mustard, it's the same thing. It's not just regular yellow mustard, which I think is fantastic just on yeah. its own. I'm one of those guys who will dip pretzels in mustard. I think mm. it's great. You have 
the Dijon mustard. You have the the like the big grain mustard. Like there's spicy. There's so many different variations, yeah. and you can put them in dressings. You can put them in sauces. You could just use it as a regular condiment. Like sure. if you're cooking a roast, you can slather it in mustard and then season <laughs> it first, and it's going to be delicious. And so we're we're done with this ketchup again. I like ketchup yes. with my French fries or my chicken nuggets, but chicken nuggets and French fries, it's a seven-year-old meal. Yeah, well, and that's a great point. And I know Sean Dunnigan, too. Um, yes. He mentioned that he's like ketchup. Yes. So I'm well, just I'm disagreeing with you guys. Yeah. So there's that. And then I'll, I'll go before we get into the sports. Uh, I will say this. My next light up the timeline moment is going to be when I call grown adults out for drinking glasses of milk. Yeah, I, I saw that. that. What was that? That was like TikTok. I've, I've, I've put that on my timeline a million times. I've seen it 80 million times this week. Yeah. And I, it, and I still, I thought I had was going to watch it and then I got distracted. Yeah. So I, I don't know about the TikTok. I'll go find it because I'm a big believer that people just in general should not drink cow's milk but if you're an adult and you're drinking cow's milk i really have to question mm. like are you actually mm. an adult like who's sitting there looking at a, a glass of milk thinking that it's no. actually tasty because it's no. not um i got in trouble when i was a kid because i would not finish my glass of milk at the table and that was when i was a kid yes i would pour down the drain eventually sure. the only time that i would you know, drink milk is if I put it in cereal. Yeah. And I, I get that, right? Cereal and milk, totally understand. But yeah. it's not just like all on its own, a glass it's disgusting. of milk. It's weird. It's gross. And the texture is gross. Yeah. And okay. the milk was never really made for us, but that's a different conversation for us. <laughs> Look for that on Joshua's timeline later this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, we are here to talk some college football, right? That's after all, that's what we're here to do. But we like to have some fun as well. So spring football is in full swing, Joshua, and you spent plenty of time at Ohio State doing the whole spring football thing. And I wanted to bring this up and pick your brain a little bit because I think people hear spring football and they're like, oh, football's back, football practice is back. But when you really think about it, while these teams are practicing, it's a little bit different for every program. And when you look at it, what's really the biggest thing you get out of spring football? So that's a really good question. And I think this year is very different than other years of spring football because you have now a couple of classes of athletes that have not ever participated in spring football. Typically, the freshman class would not have participated in spring football because they wouldn't have been there in the spring. They enroll in the summer. Okay. But since last year's spring was canceled, now you have a freshman class and a sophomore class, or I guess you have two years worth of student athletes who have never completed a full spring practice. Yeah. And so this is the time of the year where teams really get to focus on the fundamentals of playing football. Mm -hmm. Typically it's basic installation of your offense and defense. You don't get too far in the weeds mm -hmm. on the different concepts because you have young players that you're trying to develop just as football players, you know, regardless of what the scheme says, you want them to become better players. And the fact of the matter is you don't know how your game plan is going to change week to week during the season anyway. So sure. you just want to make sure all the base concepts are learned. Uh, it's a very physical time of year as well, mm -hmm. because this is, I hate to say it like this, but, if a guy gets hurt during spring practice, he's probably going to be back during the season if yeah. you can rehab him properly. And so a lot of teams will end up throwing pads on for a scrimmage on a Saturday during the spring. You'll have multiple of those. And it's a great 
opportunity for coaching staffs to get a controlled environment that is very competitive mm -hmm. to allow for evaluation of players. Um, I hated spring ball as a player. I thought it was one of the most <laughs> miserable times because you're, you're practicing. It's rough. The practices can be long and there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's like doing chores all week and then you don't get allowance at the end of the week. Oh. You know, there's no game. So yeah. uh, you're just out there practicing, but uh, coaches really love it. It's a time for them to develop their teams. It's a time for the athletes a lot of times too. You've been putting in all that work in the weight room. Like go see what you look like on the football field in the spring. Yeah. Is it in any way intimidating for some players? Is it stressful for some players knowing that they are separating themselves sometimes in spring ball a little bit more than others? I, I just wonder as a player how much pressure you put on yourselves in spring ball compared to like practice right before the season, camp type it, of stuff. It, it can be both uh, very stressful um, and it can be one of those situations where, where guys are starting to feel that pressure mount. And I'll put it like mm -hmm. this. During fall camp, there are a lot of position battles and competitions that are going on. But yeah. they're going on through the lens of how did this player perform during the spring? Because if mm -hmm. it's so close at the end of camp, they're going to look back and say, okay, well, what does the body of work look like? like sure. Who can we trust the most essentially is what it comes down to. Yep. Um, if you're a veteran player and you feel like you're running out of time, that's where it can become really stressful. Um, yeah. Just because you know you have to make that impression. And by that time, they're probably onto the evaluations of the young players. They really haven't seen a ton rather than a veteran player. Um, so that's really tough. And then the other thing that you get, which can be very difficult for players mm -hmm. in the spring, is position changes. Um, you know, oh, Ohio yeah. State's got a couple of guys right now um, who one is moving from wide receiver to tight end. And you've got another guy, Demario McCall, who's a super senior. He's been around Ohio State forever. They're moving him to play corner on defense. He was a wide receiver for the four or five years he's already been at Ohio State. Talk about um, losing sleep. Yeah, and, and that's that's tough. It's really tough. But the thing about spring ball is as much as you're competing and you're trying to put your best foot forward, mm -hmm. if you're going to make a mistake, make it in the spring because yeah. there aren't the games, right? The coach, right. coach feels like he can, if you mess up in practice, he's going to put you back in yep. because you have to get better. If you mess up in practice during the fall, coach says, I'm not giving you reps because I'm not putting you in the game. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the difference there too. Do they provide you with things to de-stress, to maybe relax when you have some time, um, downtime during sure. spring football? I mean, what are the types of things that you would do to keep your mind right as a player? I'm always interested in that and what they provide you with, too. So spring ball um, is very different because you don't practice every day of the week for the 15 practices, they space them out so they can have mm -hmm. more time with meetings and everything else. Sure. So if it's a typical lift and meeting type of day, it's going to be way less stressful. And you would hope that your coach can sense the stress levels in the room and can speak to that when you're doing the film breakdowns, instead of being really high pressure, like, Hey, you know, let's all relax. Let's just talk about this tape. Let's watch it. Let's yeah. try to learn from it. Um, which, when I was at Ohio State, Luke Fickle was one of the best in terms of feeling what the players needed from him. Sure. Um, the other thing that comes along with that is a lot of times there will be a Friday scrimmage or a Saturday scrimmage, um, mm -hmm. and you won't have to come in if it's a Friday, that Saturday or Sunday. Or if the scrimmage is on a Saturday, you'll have the Sunday off. Uh, okay. So you have the time to get away 
And then probably the best thing is the weather is starting to break and the oval at Ohio State or wherever the quad is yeah. on, on whatever campus you went to, um, people are out. And so you start to spend time with the student body, maybe not as sure. much this year because, you know, there's still restrictions. Um, but this is the time of year where you also feel like you get to socialize outside of your football life, too, which is nice. Yeah, which we always forget. Yeah. You guys have you have to have a life, right? Outside yeah. of the We're game. Supposed to, yeah. It's supposed to. That's great insight. I mean, I always just I'm curious about it. You know, I always like to utilize the fact that you played college football to kind of go inside the mind of a player, what it's really like, because we can always just look from the outside covering sure. a team and say this is what's happening. But it's hard to really get the feel for what these players are um, going through during a time like that. So we'll we'll bring in some some more things as spring football starts to progress, and hopefully we can talk about some of these scrimmages as they happen, some of these um, spring football games that are going to be happening soon. It's crazy how things are just like that. I mean – Time flies when you're trying time... to exit a pandemic. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like that. So that. I I was doing a little – research today and I came across an article from Fan Nation and the name of the article was does Michigan have a transfer uh, problem and I thought (laughs) this would be such a little fun subject to talk about (laughs) since we know Joshua just loves that state up north I'm just joking I'm being sarcastic here so anyways the article was going on to say since January of this um, year, there has been somewhere between five to seven players um, who would have likely played in 2021 for the Michigan Wolverines that have decided to leave the program. And then it went on to say in the last three years, 60 players from Michigan have entered their names into the transfer portal. That includes scholarship players, walk-ons. Some of those guys um, have withdrawn from the portal. Some found new homes. Some are still looking. When it comes down to it, only Penn State and Maryland had more from the Big Ten over the stretch of time, which is 62. So your initial thoughts on does Michigan have a transfer problem? Yeah, and so like I'll, I'll say this. When you talk about only two teams in the Big Ten have had more, Penn State, which Penn State's a team that plays in New Year's Six Bowl games, so our guys transferring because it's a a hyper-competitive environment there, and they're looking for somewhere where they can play, I would say that's the case. Maryland has had a number of issues within their program. I think Loxley is going to get them back on board, and and part of his um, transition back to Maryland as the head coach was to kind of you know, whittle down the roster of guys who really wanted to be there. Yeah. Um, so I can understand that when you look at Jim Harbaugh, he's been at Michigan for entirely too long for players <sighs> to not. How long be has there. it been, by yeah. the way? I keep, uh, keep when did he come track. in? 2015 was his first year. Wow. Yeah. He has been there a, a bit, huh? Yeah. And so for me, when I evaluate their program, I see two things and we've talked about this. Number one, like you can't recruit a guy from Nantucket, but they do, you know, like the Ohio state's right. going to, uh, Florida and Georgia, and that's where Alabama recruits. And that's, yep. you know, where LSU and Clemson recruit as well. Mm-hmm. And then you have Michigan, who's going to like Massachusetts and Vermont to try to get guys. Right. And so it's a bad combination there. I also think that Jim Harbaugh is the type of coach to just wear somebody out. Like sure. it, that's as simple as I can put it. 
Like, I, I just don't know how tolerable some of the antics can be, mm-hmm. especially when the success doesn't match some of the craziness. Um, I That's a program with some real issues. And we talked about this when Jim Harbaugh uh, had the restructured contract or whatever the case was or the mm-hmm. extension, how noncommittal it was on both sides. Super low buyouts for either side to, to exit out of that contract. And I think that says a lot about how both sides feel about Mm -hmm. that opportunity. Jim Harbaugh was actively looking at NFL opportunities. Nobody wanted him. I think that Michigan was actively putting out leaks for coaches that they wanted to Mm -hmm. see how people would react to it. And I I believe that they were having those back channel conversations with agents and everything, and it just didn't work out. Um, Both of the parties in that situation, the university and the coach, are hostages in my mind. Yeah. And it's just a strange situation. So it it does seem to me to be a bit toxic up there. mm -hmm. And you wonder if that is the feeling some of these players start to get. I think it is. Once they've been within the program or just maybe players that are new and they get that initial kind of feeling. Because in my eyes, I can always feel out something, a situation and be like, uh, I don't really think this is a good situation. It might get better. I might give it some time. But at some point, I'm like, I've got to get out of this. So let me throw this out there, too. And I'm not saying that uh, Michigan intentionally lies in recruiting because I don't think that's the way that their program's built. Mm-hmm. But every time they say, you know, we're going to win a Big Ten championship or we're going to get to the college football playoff, that is a lie mm-hmm. in recruiting. And again, yeah. they're not saying it to be dubious. They're saying it because that's what they believe that their program can do. They just haven't done it. Right. And I think as a player, the idea that you were misled about what a team could do or what kind of success you could have also plays into the fact that you would want to maybe look at another opportunity. So Mm -hmm. how many of these guys feel like they came to a place that is a very historic, very traditional program, and they're not reaping the benefits of being in a place like that? Yeah. Michigan to send a handful of guys to the league, but they're not doing it the way that their rivals doing it there. I mean, no. you know, you can look at Michigan state and you can look at Penn state and some of the other teams in the big 10 who are sending players to the league and be like, mm-hmm. okay, I could have gone to any of those other places and I might have had um, more success as a player. I might've gotten a bowl victory, you know, yeah. some jewelry sure. as you leave. And that's part of the situation too. Yeah, and I just think when you talk about Michigan now, it's not in the way that you're saying, oh, so-and-so came out of Michigan, um, now is in the league, and there's so much success, like you were saying. You just you hear they about got that. Tom Brady, and that's it. Right. It, exactly. We're going back to Tom Brady always. Yeah. And speaking of, <laughs> of quarterbacks, um, and we've talked about this numerous times, I also think there's an issue there with just not developing players, um, it, it, specifically it is, with the quarterback position. It's you know? a bad deal. Like they, and I'll, I'll say like, I, I think that they have recruited some questionable players in the secondary, but they have not maximized them. So Mm -hmm. that's both that's on the coaching staff, 100% to bring players in and then make them not look as good. Right. But I I think that they have hit on talented quarterbacks just in recruiting. They have not done a damn thing with them. And Shea Patterson was supposed to be this guy. And then even the latest Joe Milton and he's in the portal. Like, Golly. I mean, come on now. It's it's a real issue. And when your coach, your head coach is it'd be like Urban Meyer having bad wide receivers or Ryan Day not being able to coach a quarterback. Yeah, that's a bad situation. 
Yeah, it, a situation that's not getting better, but yet it seems like Michigan's just tolerating it, which in my eyes means that they're putting their program back further and further. But that's their problem, not yep. ours. So <laughs> we uh, so snarky. I know, right? I I guess it's just because I'm I'm feeling confident today in my work gear. You know, usually I'm I'm hair up, no makeup, but you know. There we go. A gal gets gal gets dressed up a little for work and you got some confidence going here. <laughs> the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, leading up to the draft, we're going to give our um, breakdown on some of the players we like. Some players maybe that just have interesting stories or connections to former players in the league. So we're going to start today, and I'm going to throw it to Joshua to kick it all off. And you have a player that I have actually done a little bit of research on because the Tennessee Titans could be looking for a wide receiver in the first round. Yes. And this guy you're going to bring up is a very popular name out of the Big Ten. He's He is a popular name, and he's earned all of the respect that he's garnered. It is mm -hmm. Rondale Moore. Now, a quick story on Rondale. Uh, one of my coworkers at Big Ten Network, who's no longer with us, um, called him Rondelay on air. <gasps> oh. um, I'm not going to oh, drop no. any names, but yeah, that's that's <laughs> so you can't do that, especially when it's one of the <laughs> conference's top players. Um, is that why he's not there anymore? No, I just joking. Uh, well, part of the reason, but. I'll continue. Um, Rondell Moore was one of my favorite players to watch. The biggest issue is we didn't get to watch him a ton because he was out yeah. with the injury in 2019 uh, and then 2020 it was a shortened season and he spent a lot of it on the sidelines recovering from injury. Yep. Um, the thing that he does well as a receiver is everything. He's electric. Yep. You can move him around in formation. You can toss him the ball out of the backfield and he can make people miss in space, a definite mismatch against linebackers um, in all the way down into the secondary. He, he's got uh, thickness in his lower body to be able to power up against sure. some of the skinnier secondary players. But you can also put him on routes downfield and he'll do a really good job there for you as well. Uh, he tracks the ball really well. Mm -hmm. Natural hands is a wide receiver. Um, I am very impressed with him now. If I'm going to do this properly, I got to do the knocks on him. Yeah, no, that that's what we want. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got no on-field knocks, basically. Like, I, I, sure. I, I'm impressed with okay. everything he does on the field. He was unguardable in the Big Ten Conference. Okay. Um, the biggest issue for him are probably two of the biggest issues that you would hate to have as a player of football uh -oh. is he's a smaller guy um, okay. at 5'7", 180. So, like yeah. I said, 180 at 5'7", though, he's a thicker-built guy. He's short. Um, yeah, thick legs. The other thing is the injury history. So yeah. you're a smaller guy and you have an injury history. That's yeah. definitely going to turn some teams off. I think he is a first round talent 100% of the way. Probably ends up being a second round pick just based off yep. of the fact of the two knocks on him. But I'm, I'll give you a couple of stats real quick and then we okay. can move on to your player. 429 at Pro Day in the 40-yard dash. 
Holy he's fast smokes. as hell. Yeah. I've, the, I'm not Four, shitting two, you. Nine. He is unguardable. He is so fast. And then, and then this is, this is what makes up for the height issue is he had a 42 and a half inch vertical. So he's unguardable because he's fast. And then he can climb the ladder and go up and get a ball yeah. if he needs to. So yeah, there, I mean, if you can talk yourself past some of those objections about yeah. his physical stature, you're going to get a really good player. Can mm -hmm. he hold up in terms of injuries will be a question. I think, like I said, first round talent, the questions might drop him into the second round. If he is selected in the second round, it's a steal. It's 100% a steal. And that's, you know, this is what these teams, it's what they do, right? They've got to do the bad, the good, the ugly, and, and they've got to figure out, because nobody's perfect, right? Right. I mean, there's players with incredible upside and not as as much to, you know, be deterred about. But for the most part, players are going to have their pros and cons. It's just a matter of, will that player fit into your system? Um, and if they fit into your system and, and a team really likes you, they're going to go with you. That's it. So uh, you're right. I mean, he could be a, a real big steal there in the second round if he if he doesn't end up going towards the bottom of the first. So I'm going to go with somebody on the defensive side. And you might be familiar with his father, at least. Yes. Um, so I'm going with cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. Of course, his dad, a four-time pro bowler, um, pretty pretty well-known guy in the league, played a lot of years. And this kid is also small. So you were, you were talking about a smaller guy. Um, some teams like those longer cornerbacks, but there, there have been guys out there like the Honey Badger who have proven sure. – that they can be a threat at that position and not be the biggest guy. Cause it's all about how you play, right? right. If you play bigger than what you are, then you're going to find success. So this guy, 5'10", 184 pounds. But again, I like the fact that um, his dad played, he kind of has that mentality. Uh, you know how that is usually when you have somebody, a sibling or a father or mother that played, you're going to have that competition, that natural competitive nature about you. But, um, so you would look at some smaller corners like we were talking about and say they aren't aggressive enough to defend um, against the run. And everything that you've read and, and seen about Samuel is um, he doesn't hesitate to go, to go up against these bigger guys, these stronger wide receivers. He's extremely physical. And so I just like that that's mentality that he naturally has. And also, he's shifty, right? I mean, he's got speed, the ability to change directions, which is always important in a mm -hmm. cornerback to kind of be able to shift. So you look at this guy, he might not be a first rounder, but I think that he could definitely be a great addition to the right team in the second round. So let's talk about a couple of things you said, he, the, the size thing, right? Everybody mm -hmm. wants the, the six foot one, six foot two corner nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In football. Um, but you talked about his quickness. When you get a six foot one or six foot two corner, they're probably mm. going to be a higher cut guy. And what that means is that their their center of mass is going to be higher off the ground. Yeah. And um, any of you who were physics nerds in high school would know that makes it harder to change directions the further the center of mass gets away from whatever yeah. that that anchor point is. Um, and so for a guy like him, his quickness and his agility is going to be a big upside. His ability to mix it up and, and bring the physicality is going to be an upside. But mm -hmm. I think 
in the evaluation process, this is going to help him out probably more than anything. Your dad was not just a pro, but he was a great pro. And when NFL teams evaluate uh, players, one of the the questions that they ask is, can they handle being a pro or do they have what it takes to mentally um, make that transition into becoming a professional player? Mm -hmm. And when you have a, like you said, a sibling or a father who was not only a pro, but they were a an elite player yeah then that answers some of those questions about that person's ability to transition into the professional game I agree and that's a great point it makes you just feel a little bit more comfortable with all the other things that go along with off the field and the Mm -hmm. mental part of the game Mm -hmm. just because you know you probably have been around that person for all your life and it's only natural for you to pick up those tendencies and some of it is just natural in my opinion um so yeah these are these are two guys that like we said probably will go more so in the second round but that's why I think it'll be fun to bring these prospects to the table every week because when you're watching the draft and you see some of these players go and maybe they'll go to your teams you can be like oh yeah I know a little bit about this guy so Again, we'll be um, bringing that to the table every week here leading up to the draft, which is at the end of the month. I can't believe it. It's already almost here. This year is going fast. It's going fast, but it's and it's slowly opening up. So I think we're going to have so much more to talk about this year when it comes to football and maybe in a more regular way. But again, still got to do our parts to get to that that moment yes. that we're all yes. like, OK, things seem normal again. Well, we appreciate you guys, again, hopping on, listening to another edition of Press Pass. Uh, Joshua, where where can they go to find you, my friend? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. If you want to talk about hot dogs, that's cool. If you want to talk about (laughs) milk, we can do that, too. Ooh, and the two together, too. That just just sounds so bad, right? Isn't that – don't they do that in the hot dog eating contests where they have to, like, they dip it in – I guess it's water. Well, some of them do, like – like Some of them juice I or lemonade. Or I know. Well, Ooh. the water probably looks milky just from all the dipping. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that is an awful combo. Please don't try that at home. Okay, you can follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Kayla Anderson TV. Have a great week, you guys, and we'll be back here next week.